stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchione. I'm here with Mark Chenoweth, and we were joined by um, uh, Margot, who is uh, uh, of to, counsel of here counsel at the New Alliance. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, you you were just telling me you were on the show before, but I don't think I was here. So I was saying how how uh, this was going to be the first appearance, and I was. I was wrong. So you're an old hand. You're an old hand, Margot. But I think we have something real exciting to talk about today. Um, uh, you helped file for NCLA um, a case on censorship again of the internet. Um, and uh, can you can you tell us about it? What, what's the name of it? I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just going to uh, yeah. pick a different verb, which is masterminded. I think Margot masterminded that, that, this lawsuit. That is probably that is true. So uh, welcome to the program, and uh, tell us about tell us about the suit. Sure. So this lawsuit is the Daily Wire and the Federalist against the State Department. And the Daily Wire and the Federalist are two media outlets that are the NCLA clients. And we're being partnered with the state of Texas. So Ken Paxton is also joining in the lawsuit. And he's the Attorney General of Texas, for those who might not know. Right. So he's the Attorney General of Texas. And the lawsuit, I can kind of go through it from a, a higher level, what the, what the legal theories are because the underlying facts are so convoluted because the government made them convoluted. But the, the gist of the lawsuit is that our State Department is acting without authority and in violation of the plaintiff's First Amendment rights to free speech and freedom of the press by developing, funding, testing, promoting, marketing, cheerleading different types of censorship technologies and entities. So and this this sounds like this sounds like things that would abridge free speech to me. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And they're doing it to the domestic market. So you got to keep in mind the state department is supposed to be dealing with foreign affairs exclusively. And exactly. And what they're doing here though is they're looking at all this technology, and this technology and these tools are hitting the marketplace of ideas right here in America. And this is technology that will boost the, the reach of, of American speech so that they reach wider, wider audiences? <laughs> no, it's no. quite the opposite. Uh. They're trying to make it so that the speech doesn't reach wider um, audiences. And we actually don't know yet all the different technologies that they did this with. They tested over 365. So a lot of this came from open source information. Different one for every day and, of the year. Right. Yeah, exactly. They've got a different one for every day. But... The, the technologies that they tested, we know about, were two blacklist organizations. 
GDI, which is the Global Disinformation Index, and NewsGuard. And both of those entities receive money from the State Department. Both of those have lists where they say either outlets are unreliable or they're risky. And the State Department looked at this information, put them on a government platform that was supposed to be open to only military and government folks, but they decided that wasn't enough for them. So they started going out to social media companies and other big tech companies and saying, hey, come look at all this technology we have and see what might meet your needs. And they, they focus on needs of countering what they call disinformation and misinformation, which, as you all know at this point, means pretty much anything the government doesn't want you talking about. Yeah, they say and, that, that misinformation is, uh, that, that the difference is that, that uh, you know, misinformation is, is information that might be true, but is mm-hmm. out of context or isn't, doesn't have all the information, whereas disinformation is sort of deliberately false information. But the First Amendment protects false speech, too. And so I don't understand when the government started thinking that it gets to be uh, the arbiter of truth and the arbiter of of what speech uh, gets to be in the marketplace and, and what doesn't. Because I, I thought that the whole point of the First Amendment was to take the government out of that role. Absolutely. And I think it was probably around 2016 when that started, <laughs> when they realized that when people are using social media to talk, that we might have some consequences of elections that people don't like. And then when COVID hit, the same scenario came up. But it's actually really fascinating that how the government handled COVID and the misinformation and the so-called disinformation gives our country a case study in why we have the First Amendment. So, as you were just saying, Mark, why why do they think they get to decide? They did that with COVID, and it showed why it was so spectacularly stupid well, to, to think that the government should be able to do that because everything that the government said, it was, it was the inverse. And yet they were censoring speech based on views of, of COVID and where did it come from, whether masks are effective, whether the vaccines have risks, all of these things, the government thought that it was, you know, it should be in charge of it, and it backfired. So it, it just, it's a good case study to say, think about that with everything that Americans want information about, want to talk about, and why, why is the government involved in it? And, and here we're only talking about the State Department, which is only supposed to be foreign affairs. And I think we probably all recognize they've, they they do probably foreign propaganda, but now we see them doing propaganda in America. And it's, it's really something that should be shocking the country. It should be shocking the press. Even if they're not targeted now, what's going to prevent them from being targeting in the future? So it, it's... 
really shocking and troubling what's going on here. Margo, you know, I think that it would be it would I would like it better if they were doing propaganda, because this this reminds me, you know, there was a big scandal. I don't know why it was a scandal, because I think it's I was perfectly fine with it. But the CIA was backing Encounter magazine during the Cold War. And it was this journal of thought in Europe. Right. And so and and so it was it was run to sort of counter communist idea, but it had like art and all this kind of stuff in it. And a neoconservative magazine, right? right? Well, now it would be called that. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it was, so in any event. So Encounter Magazine was getting CIA funding and it was putting out all these various messages in foreign countries and things like that. Um, but even if the State Department was putting out messages here, that would, but they're using cutouts to stop other people's messages, which I don't even think the CIA is accused of. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent point. And, and you're right. If they were merely doing propaganda, then that would be something we could counter. And you're actually seeing it on X now where Musk is, his kind of position is, we'll let community fact checkers do it. So when we see things that are coming out, you're, you're getting the community fact checked. And it, it's creating the debate. So if there was the propaganda, then you would have the debate. But by silencing and doing propaganda, the public just does not know what is going on. And this is actually what, if you look at the grants that our government is giving, that's what is the future. It is a control of society, what you can hear, but also what you can think. So you can see the grants through the DOD, and I, I did some research on this with my investigative reporter hat on, and I did some search cues for misinformation, disinformation, and there were different buckets of what they were doing. So they were funding some of these organizations, and when I say they, I say the government, because some of it was coming from DOD, some of it was coming from, I think, HHS. There were DHS different too. agencies. But they were funding tools to help listen, do listening, which is basically they have the ability to go on the internet and see what people are talking about, and then mapping to see how these messages are spread, and then AI to see, okay, which ones are getting picked up. But then they were also looking at how do you stop it, so what we're talking about in the lawsuit against the State Department, but then... They were doing grants to psychologists and trying to figure out what motivates people so that they could come up with how to counter this and then how to get out and respond it. And the whole picture is our government wants to know what people are going to talk about and how to shut up that message, but also how to convince them to talk about other things. If we're talking about ISIS, and we're talking about Hamas. That's one thing, but that's not what the government's looking at. They're looking at this as anything that they, whoever the puppet masters are, think we shouldn't be talking about. And we saw that with COVID. We saw that with Ukraine, where you see messages that were being counter to the administration's position on Ukraine being out. And I think the, the Hamas-Israel war right now is rather interesting because there's this 
infighting at the State Department, which doesn't appreciate the Biden administration's strong support of Israel. And what are they doing? They're talking about it being disinformation that the Biden administration is, is, doing. is putting out. So, you know, it does. Mark, we, we have to take a break for this segment. So we'll be right back with more more of this. And right back with Margot Cleveland. 